black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? My week has been hectic. I feel like I keep on saying that. Like every week is like a different level of hecticness. Is that a word? Hecticness? That's a word, isn't it? Yeah. So um, you guys know that I moved into my house here. My house went on the market yesterday in Houston. We had open house yesterday. We had 14 people to come through yesterday. So we've had now more people to come through in that one day than came through with the other realtor, which is crazy to me. But either way, um, we have a couple of showings scheduled. So it's looking positive in this in this first two days of being on the market. So we'll see what happens going from here. Um, my house here is slowly but surely getting settled. I still don't have my stuff from Houston to Marietta. So, which meant that I got impatient and started buying a whole bunch of furniture, but that's okay. I will sell the furniture that we had in Houston and pick up and move on. New beginnings, new me. So I'm excited, but at the same time, just like a little bit like ready to be settled, settled. I've also started hiring people to work my office. So I've interviewed quite a few people. So if you guys are looking for a job and you're in healthcare, (laughs) holler at me because I am interviewing this week. So so yeah, hopefully we'll be up and running in the next month or so. But I've hired four people for the office so far. And I have a couple more people to hire. So it's it's been exciting. You know, the transition, the change, the moving into a new position, navigating the whole leadership role. It's it's good. It's good. I can't complain. It's just busy. Just busy. And I'm still remotely working. Right. So I'm still doing clinic virtually. So either way, it's a good busy though. So Janine, how has your week been? It's been a good busy too. But let's go back though. I have something to say. That is me clearing my throat because this is me getting back at Nicole for her chastising me about being so busy. So you all, and I'm springing this on Nicole, even though she was part of this group chat. So Nicole, we're even now. We are even. You and I are even because your best friend called you out hardcore in a group chat and said, um, it's funny how she's, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black because I found out that Nicole had found a place on, on the podcast. Ain't that what happened, Nicole? Okay. So go ahead and gloat. Okay. Go ahead and gloat. Yes. Yes, my best friend, which you guys know. Her name is Christina. 
We've done some stuff with her with uh, when we were doing some fundraising through the wine company. So y'all know her. But um, yeah, she did. She called me out hard. I mean, listen to the podcast, found out I had not only found a place, closed on the place, bought the house and didn't call and tell her. But you know what? When you're in transition, when you got a lot going on and friends know this, when you have a lot going on, you just sort of put your head down and grind. So I know I have to do a couple things. I got to take care of my child. I got to work because I got to make money, pay these bills. I got to figure out how, where my child is going to sleep at night. So I have to find a place. I got to move my stuff from point A to point B. And I got to make sure everybody is safe. The things are managed. And then all the other things that I do with organizations and transitioning work, those things take time. And sometimes your true friends understand that it's not that you've forgotten about them, is that you're going to have one of those, girl, let's meet up, let's sip some tea, and let me tell you all about what's going on moments. And of course, a couple of weeks had gone by and I hadn't talked to my bestie. I hadn't. I think I had talked to her, but like sort of like, hey, girl, how you doing? Okay, how's Logan doing? Okay, moving on. You know, it was like moving on and then getting off the phone. So that is what happens. Why Janine wants to bring up my faults on the podcast. See, see, my busy is temporary, right? This is a temporary transition for me. Janine has been busy since season two. Okay, a couple of things. Let me let me say this. By no means am I calling you out for real because I'm very well aware that my schedule is super hectic and I barely have time to breathe. I think that Ken told me somewhere along the lines of what, Friday? That he thought that I had had maybe eight hours of sleep in the past three or four days. So I am very well aware that my personal relationships are kind of, they're being understanding, I will say, specifically Ken and you and all of my other friends, because I am in busy season. But let me tell you this, in November, y'all expect to hear from me a lot. November through January, you will hear from me a lot because I will have some downtime and time to reconnect with all the people that I love and care about. I am very proud of you and all that you do. We're going to plan something so that we can, and invite all of our listeners so that we can get together, chit chat. Maybe like a holiday party, a holiday get together, photo shoot, because we still haven't done this. Shout out to my friend, Steph, who is my, one of my best friend, Tony's husband, who is a photographer. So we need to like, Figure this out because it's been what we're in season three and we still don't have headshots. Like what is going on? What is happening here? What's happening is you get the two busiest people on the planet and, and they decide to host a podcast together. That's what happened. But I will be in town in uh, November 3rd through the 6th. So I'll be in D.C. that weekend. So maybe we can't get together that weekend. But I have the American College of OBGYNs retreat board of directors retreat that weekend. So that's where I'll be Mm. in town at, but it's not 24 hours a day. You all hear this. She has put this down in history. So I'm going to call Steph and see if he can do our headshots and we're going to coordinate outfits and somehow find an hour or two in there to do a photo shoot. So anyway, anyway, so to our listeners, I hope y'all had a great week as well. So what y'all been doing? Let us know. Yes, and go on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you go, and rate us. If you like the podcast, rate us. All right, now, Johnny. So what is on our timeline this week? (sighs) 
So, Nicole, I was very hesitant to do this, but look, it I almost feel like we got pushed to it. So here we go. We all know who Kanye West is. We have a love-hate relationship with Kanye, and that's leaning more towards the hate side recently, and not from our side, from Kanye's side. So I believe in beginning and ending with positivity. So let's apply that rule here and start off with the reasons why we fell in love. We love Kanye West, right? So here's the things that we love about Kanye from the beginning. So Kanye Omari West is known as one of the most influential hip hop artists of the 21st century. So based on his body of work, both on the mic and behind the board, you know, it's hard to dispute that he's one of the most influential. So he gave us albums like College Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation, and 808 Heartbreak. And here's the thing. He gave us these great productions. That's where I dropped off. He's given us some more, but, you know, Janine fell off around the 808s and Heartbreaks album. So he gave us great production like Twista's Overnight Celebrity, which we all know, Alicia Keys, You Don't Know My Name, Jay-Z's Encore, Lil Wayne's Comfortable, and Jay-Z and Beyonce's Bonnie and Clyde. So those are just a few of them. That's the tip of the iceberg. He also has some great collaborations. And he's had some amazing tours as well. So think about the Cruel Summer um, the Touch the Sky tour, the Glow in the Dark tour, and even the Watch the Throne. And that was a collaboration and a tour. So he's got like a ton of things that have gone, that he's done that have impacted the culture, right? And he even, remember he did like a bigger bang tour. I think that was like the Rolling Stones tour that he was on. So he has the work, the body of work to prove why he's considered one of the most influential Hip hop artist of twenty one of the twenty first century. So he has countless awards, everything from BET to Billboard. He's one of the highest selling digital artists of all time, and he's even crossed the charts and won a Grammy. I believe it was last year, and he won the Grammy for the best contemporary Christian music album, which is interesting. But then I thought back. Remember, he gave us Sunday Service, so he was doing the gospel thing for a moment. So. His influence is is pretty real. And that's just in his music. That doesn't even include his work in fashion with Balmain, Adidas, and Gap. Or his relationships, because we have to be honest that his relationships have been pretty influential as well. He had a relationship with Amber Rose that we followed. The paparazzi followed them like it was no one else in, in the world to follow. And then when he decided... And I was actually at this concert when he announced that he and Kim were expecting a baby and he developed a relationship with Kim Kardashian. Then he got married and we've followed from baby to marriage to now divorce with him and Kim Kardashian. So between his music, his fashion and his relationships, it's pretty it's pretty real to say that Kanye is pretty influential. So. Now that we've talked about his influence, we have to go to the part where we don't really like that much. So we know that we love him, but we love him also because let's let's talk about that for a second. So we love him for those things, but we love him also because, you know, 
Kanye has a really good story, right? So he's a young black man who was born in Atlanta and raised in Chicago in a pretty middle-class family. His parents got divorced when he was really, really young. And his mom, Dr. Donda West, was an English professor. And his father, who was a Black Panther, was also a photojournalist and one of the first photojournalists for an Atlanta publication. And then he later on became some sort of spiritual counselor. So he has very successful parents. You know, it kind of makes us a little endearing to him, right? He was also into the arts very long ago. So back to his teen years. And then he got into being a person that was producing and performing later on in his life. So as he became an adult. So he basically said that according to, I would say, Spin Magazine, the 2002 accident that we know Kanye for so much, the accident that got his jaw wired shut, is the reason that his career propelled kind of from behind the scenes, behind the board to in front of the board. According to an interview that he did with Billboard, he basically said that that incident where he was leaving a studio session, he fell asleep at the wheel and crashed his car and had a very bad accident. That incident was what propelled him to start his solo career as an artist. So all of these things are the reasons why we love Kanye, right? We love him because of his story. We love him because the way he loves his mom. We love him because of all of these things. But I told you this is a love-hate relationship. So I'm going to get kind of into what happened and why we kind of started just not having so much love for Kanye anymore. And it really kind of is based on his hatred that he's kind of spewing. So we all know that Kanye's mother passed away unexpectedly, and it kind of, from what it seems, sent him into a downward spiral. And the love that we have for him kind of just started dwindling because of the hate that he spews. But then we started kind of moving from, we were kind of seeing what Kanye was doing and kind of overlooking it because we thought that he was an artistic genius to now we're kind of concerned because Kanye seems to be losing control of his own life. So Kanye has had a series of controversial and frankly problematic outbursts. And I don't even know that we can necessarily say that it stemmed from the death of his mother, because to be very honest with you, the first outburst that I can recall happened prior to his mother's passing. But I will say that since his mother's passing, they have become much more frequent and much more intense. And as time goes on, these outbursts are actually becoming a little bit more dangerous. So let's run through them really quick. The first outburst was the one that kind of hit close to home for us, Nicole, and honestly, we brushed it off because we weren't really sure that, you know, there was anything wrong with Kanye at this point. So the first one was his comment um, in reference to Hurricane Katrina. And if you remember, people were complaining about how, you know, FEMA was responding and the government was responding to Hurricane Katrina. And that's when he had that first outburst in 2005, where he said, George Bush doesn't care about the black people. and. I think, Nicole, honestly, we probably brushed it off because we probably a smidge kind of felt that way in our hearts, but nobody was about to say that out loud, but Kanye did. Then we had the 2006 comment that came at the European MTV Music Awards where he said that he didn't win, 
Um, and he explained his not winning because he didn't have Pamela Anderson in his video. So he said something along the lines of, well, if Pamela Anderson was in my video, then I would have won. So that moves us into 2009, where we had the infamous moment where he interrupted Taylor Swift, who was only 17 at the time, while she was giving her acceptance speech for her award. And he said, hold on a second, Taylor. I'm going to interrupt you because really Beyonce should have been the winner of this award, but I'm going to let you finish. But I just need to say this in the middle of the award ceremony. Now we kind of started questioning him then, but we still gave him a pass and kept on letting him, you know, letting him slide there. So in 2013, we had the comment where he said that Michelle Obama couldn't do an Instagram sexy swimsuit picture like his girl and hit by his girl. He means Kim Kardashian. And basically he was saying that he was comparing Michelle Obama to Kim Kardashian, which there is no comparison. Let me be very clear. And he was using this as a way to pitch his wife or girlfriend at the time, Kim as the cover model for Vogue. I don't know how these things come to be, but those are the details. So in 2015, I feel like it's where things started entering into a more dangerous territory because that's when he got into the racism is a dated concept comment. That's when he started becoming a little bit more socially unconscious and political. And that comment in 2015 turned into a 2016 comment that expressed his love for our former president, Donald Trump. And he went into the irresponsible comment that I feel like kind of demeaned our democracy as a whole in a couple of ways. But he said that if he would have voted, which basically says that he didn't even take the time to vote, which why he would have voted for Donald Trump. Which, again, says a lot, but we will move past that comment. And go on to the next thing he said, because that year, 2016, he was super busy. So later that year, became he then came for Taylor Swift a second time, claiming that his first outburst with Taylor Swift made her famous. But Kanye, who cares? Really, who cares? And as if 2016 wasn't bad enough, he then declared Bill Cosby's innocent in a series of tweets. So let's move on to 2017. He gave us a little bit of a break. I think that this was the beginning of his thoughts of his presidential campaign. Not sure, but I would venture to say so because he did give us a break. He wasn't on social media. 2017, he was a bit quiet. But then we go into 2018. 2018, he's back. He's back on Twitter. And he's supporting Trump wholeheartedly. Even going as far to say that he is my brother. Meaning Kanye is saying that Trump is his brother. That's when we started kind of giving Kanye the side eye. Later that year, he even became more dangerous. And by dangerous, Nicole, I mean, this is when I started giving the serious side eye. And he said that or suggested that slavery was a choice. That's when we all were looking at all the black folks I know. We were all looking at Kanye like, sir, say what? Then in 2020... July 4th, to be exact, Kanye announced that he was officially running for president of the United States as the candidate for the birthday party. 
Yeah, it sounds crazy. It does. And I don't want to call him crazy because that's not what we're here to do. We are not here to stigmatize people that have mental health issues. But we are here to say that it didn't sound right to us. But it sounded right to 60,000 people. 60,000 people. Because that's the number of people who actually voted for Kanye in the 2020 election cycle. So, as you know, Nicole, 2020 has been kind of a blur. So 2020, 2021, and 2022 have been a little blurry because of the pandemic. But that blur also kind of coincided with Kim K and his relationship and the hostility between him, his wife, his kids, what she was doing. There were a number of outbursts that happened between their relationship and their separation and now divorce. And he's had several outbursts with his children, several outbursts against Kim. And even when it's far to start feuding with Kim's new man, Pete Davidson, who, who has he hurt? Like, Kanye, just just leave people out of this. But most recently, he's been spiraling out of control, like bad and quickly, it seems, Nicole. So from my perspective, it started after the Queen's death. So after the Queen's death, he tweeted, London, I know how you feel. I lost my queen, too. Wait, what? Are we comparing Kim K to the Queen of England? Then he recently sparked, I mean, serious outrage when he decided that he wanted to attend Paris Fashion Week with a White Lives Matter t-shirt on. Then he took a picture that I'm sure has circulated all around the internet with our dear friend Candace. Y'all don't know who we're talking about? We're talking about Candace Owens. Now, we did an episode about her. Go back and listen to that episode. Candace Owens and Kanye took a picture with their matching T-shirts or shirts that said White Lives Matter. <sighs> well, Nicole, if that wasn't enough, just within the past couple of days, he hit an all-time low, in my perspective, and seemingly in the perspective of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, because they have banned him. And they've temporarily banned him because he decided that he wanted to put out a statement that said, Death Con 3 on Jewish people. Then proceeded to say that he couldn't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. Now, he's become increasingly dangerous. And I say dangerous because these outbursts are influencing some people, right? I'm not saying the vast majority, but they are influencing some people. And these same outbursts are much like what Trump used to do. And... Because he has a platform, people continue to listen to him, and then he continues to influence them. It's very concerning, especially for someone who has such a vast influence, that they're spewing not only misinformation, but hatred to so many. So much like Trump, he's been banned from these platforms, but that in and of itself is still not enough, Nicole, because... After he was banned, he then produced a, or posted a vlog of a 30-minute long clip that started off kind of looking like it was some sort of like video game sequence and then actually turned into live footage of Kanye. But somewhere in the middle, there's some weird footage of him presenting to a group of people or showing a group of people pornography. Like, what is going on? And how come no one is 
that's close to Kanye is actually saying anything. So my concern is that we've done a very good job of overlooking these outbursts. We've kind of blamed Kanye's outburst on him being what we consider like a torture genius. We've even attempted to justify his actions because we really do want to love him. But really, we know that Kanye struggles with his mental health. And he's even told us that he struggles with it and that he sometimes goes off of his meds. But this has become not only sad as we watch his decline, but it's also become increasingly dangerous, as I've said, because of the hate that he continues to spew. And we've seen this happen before. We've seen it happen with our former president that we don't necessarily want to claim. And we've seen it happen with his unstable antics. And what happens when there's a certain following that just listens to what people say blindly? I mean, January 6th is a perfect example of that. So hopefully Kanye gets the help that he needs in order to not continue to be what I would consider a menace to society. But I'd like to end with something a little positive. At the end of the day, the more positive note is that Kanye has been actually diagnosed with mental illness. And he does have the means to seek help. And while we can't force him to seek help, we do hope that he does seek help. And I encourage us all to stop like watching the antics as if we're watching a train wreck happen in slow motion, but rather just encourage people that like mental illness is real and people do struggle with their mental health in real life. And it's, there's no stigma. There's no problem with seeking help for mental illness before it becomes something similar to these outrageous outbursts that we've seen. What do you think, Nicole? I think that somebody needs to check on Kanye. He, to me, is on the verge of something awful. It is, to me, obvious that he has a mental health issue. Um, I know that it wasn't he diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I believe. He's obviously not taking any medicines. And if he's taking them, they're not controlling him. Either his regimen needs to be adjusted or he needs to be put on a regimen. But something in me, just my spirit don't feel right about this. And I don't think that trying to ban or silence him is going to help, not help him anyway. It is bad when he talks about, you know, people of Jewish descent or Jewish people. Um, it's bad when he talks, goes around about any, anybody, right? But if we're talking about, I, I know why they silenced him and blocked him from his social media accounts is because he was being anti-Semitic. I mean, there's no other way to describe it, but in terms of that helping Kanye, that's not going to help Kanye. Somebody needs to check on Kanye because to me, people that are not stabilized with medications or at least some type of psychotherapy can all of a sudden click, you know, they can end up, you know, harming themselves, harming somebody else, not being oriented, not knowing what they're doing, not being able to control themselves. And I think that we are watching Kanye slowly slip 
out of his own reality into some alternative reality. I mean, this is a man from Chicago wearing a White Lives Matter t-shirt. I mean, let that sink in. Something obviously ain't right with him if he thinks that that is a cool thing to do at a fashion show. I understand that negative attention is attention, right? It's all publicity. But this has him looking like he's going off the deep end, saying cruel and unusual things to people. And almost it almost reminds me, uh, him in the White Life Matter t-shirt, um, I call it prank because I'm like, this can't be serious. But remember when Dave Chappelle did that skit where he dressed up as a, a member of the KKK? Like he did not know he was black until he was at the meeting and he took the hood off and people realized he was black and, and blind, I believe. This is Kanye living the skit out loud. I'm just saying. We talked about some piss poor skits recently, you know, with um what's the girl's name? Tiffany Haddish. But this is another one. Like Kanye is really living out this skit in real life. And I just want to say, Kanye, let's let's pray for you. But like we said in season one, you can't have Jesus and a therapist at the same time. And this is a prime example of somebody who needs both Jesus, a therapist, and a psychiatrist that's going to prescribe you some medicine to stabilize your mood and your condition. Because this is obviously, it's not right. I can't even get mad at the things that Kanye is doing because I feel, I feel sorry for him. I'm watching him and I'm realizing he needs medical treatment. Somebody needs to reach out and touch that man and bring him to a medical professional, specifically a psychiatrist that treats bipolar disorder because he is really spiraling. And this is what, when people are not treated, this is how the stigma comes at people with mental illnesses. There's nothing wrong with having a mental illness as long as you recognize you have one and you control control it, right? Just like if you have diabetes, there's nothing wrong. Diabetes doesn't have to be a death sentence as long as you recognize you have diabetes and you adjust your diet and you treat it. Same thing, high blood pressure, recognize it, treat it. You don't treat it, something catastrophic happens. You have a mental breakdown, you snap, you end up harming somebody or yourself. Hypertension, you don't treat it. All of a sudden, you have a heart attack, you got a stroke. That's what happens when conditions are untreated. And we're witnessing Kanye have some under treatment or not be treated for his mental health condition. That's what I think, Johnny. I agree, Nicole. And I think that because Kanye kind of came out while we were in our like pivotal moments of life that we want to still love him, but you can love people and not ignore the struggles that they're experiencing because it's not fair to them, right? Like it's, I would, I would venture to say that a lot of people struggle with their mental health, right? But ignoring it or allowing them to ignore it because of their quote unquote genius is irresponsible in us, right? Like we keep getting this great work. We keep getting great clothes. We keep getting great shoes from Kanye. So we kind of overlook the other things, but that's not fair. I mean, we have a way of treating our celebrity which that's a whole nother episode, but of treating our celebrity like we just use them until we use them up and then we 
discard them when they don't work for us anymore. And I would venture to say that maybe we should probably look into the way that we address these things. It's not funny. It's not amusing. It's not, you know, entertainment. It's not walk, watching this train wreck happen. Someone needs to tell him. Someone needs to say and love him and say, hey, you need help, right? And you can't force help upon people. You can't do that. That's not what I'm saying. But I would like to say that maybe we shouldn't be as amused by these things. Maybe we should address what the real issue is because at the end of the day, he's human and he puts his pants on one leg at a time, just like you and I, Nicole. Like he's, he struggles just like other people struggle. It's something that we really need to address as opposed to just kind of overlooking it because he gives us such great clothing and great music and great production. He's also human. He struggles with the same things that other humans do that are not a celebrity. I, I think that we often forget that because he's so famous and he has such a big influence and he's so well known, but he suffers with the and deals with the same life challenges that the rest of us deal with as well. All right, Janine. So uh, apparently our listeners have been dealing with either their own mental health issues or they have witnessed people in their lives with mental health issues. And we're going to help them talk through some of these situations. So you ready to talk through it, Jenny? Let's do it. All right. So the first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I think my friend is having a mental breakdown. This started about three months ago. She's been extremely busy in her pharmacy practice. She recently broke up with her husband, though, saying he was out to get her money, which is strange because he's a physician. She said he was trying to control her and was trying to sabotage her. She even tried to file a restraining order against him, but for some reason, it it was lifted shortly after she filed once his attorney got involved. Her husband confided in me and two of her other friends that he was concerned about her because she seems extremely paranoid. She started erratically spending money on shoes and clothes and spends a ton of time on social media. She takes pictures with complete strangers and posts them on her page. She seems overly happy at times. At other times, she seems frustrated, upset, often saying she's pissed, but can't articulate what's upsetting her. Two weeks ago, she took off work and has returned. She decided to take a trip to Europe by herself. I'm extremely concerned but not sure what to do. I've spoken with her mom about it, but she said she didn't know all that was going on. I've encouraged her to go to counseling. The first time I suggested it, she got really upset. So I subtly mentioned it a few days later as a suggestion that we all go to counseling because of all the craziness we've endured over the last two years with the pandemic. She was more accepting of that suggestion, but didn't agree to go. At this point, I'm not sure if I should try to stage some kind of intervention or if doing so is just too much. Any advice you ladies could give would be appreciated. Sign Tika. Okay, Tika. So I've actually experienced this before in, in life. And the unfortunate part is the way that our mental health, well, the way that our healthcare system works is that mental health is not actually really prioritized. We will be very honest about this, right? So, Nicole, you can jump in at any time if you would like to correct what I'm saying because I'm not in the healthcare field. But I will say this. In my experience of this, the only thing that you can do is call the, the authorities or call the 
facility and they can put your friend on a 48 hour hold. But after 48 hours, they are free to roam about the, the world as they wish, right? So it's very difficult. And, and this is what makes mental health so challenging. It's very difficult to convince someone who is not in their right state of mind at the time that they need help and for them to actually seek the help that they need because, you know, they're their mental state can be a little bit volatile in those kinds of situations. So the best thing that I can say is figure out when you think there's a a window of opportunity and take that window of opportunity. And maybe you do put her on a 48 hour hold and find help for her. And hopefully she's, you know, in a, a mental state that is beneficial that she'll realize like, Hey, I need to continue with this program and continue to seek help because other than that, unfortunately, there's really nothing that you can do. You can't force help upon people. Suggesting 100%, but you really can't force help upon people. And I think that, you know, the idea of staging an intervention is a little difficult. It requires a lot of steps, right? And I'm not saying that your friend isn't worth it, but if you feel like you can stage an intervention and it's going to be successful, then I think that by all means do so. But if you feel like, I mean, based on what you're saying, she doesn't really seem to be really receptive to it right now. You might stage an intervention and she might walk out and say, it's nice that you all think that I need help, but I don't think I need help. And then you're back at square one. So my suggestion is see if you can get her on a 48 hour hold. I will then defer to Nicole because she is the medical professional, but Nicole, what do you think? I don't, I don't really know. This is not my expertise here. I, um, I think that her family members would probably be the better people to put her, get her on a 48 hour or 72 hour, depending on where she is. They could hold her for 72 hours to be evaluated. I think they would probably be the better people because, you know, if she doesn't have decision-making capacity, then her family, they're going to be the people to end up ultimately making the decisions, not her friend. But I do think that it's good in terms of staging intervention. The first thing I would do is I would bring the the players involved, right? So you've talked to the mom, the husband has talked to y'all, right? So she broke up with her husband. I mean, does that mean divorce? You don't really break up with your husband. It's like you either get separated, you get divorced. So what is it? So in her mind, she's probably like, I'm done. But she probably hasn't taken steps to actually file for a divorce. So what I would do is I would contact her husband. I would contact her mother or her family members. And I would stage a meeting to figure out how we need to what how we need to proceed next. And if everybody is on the same page in that she's acting and behaving erratically, she's not stable and the things that she is um accusing her husband and anybody else of is just paranoia with with the you know no proof, no backing to support what she's saying, then I would say, "Hey, how do we move forward from here? Okay. Cause if all of y'all are on the same page, you're much more likely 
to get her on a 72-hour hold for her to get some psychological evaluation and treatment than if just you, the friend, and no one else agrees with it, is saying that, okay? Because the first thing they're going to do is call her next to Ken if she's on a hold and say, hey, tell me what she's like day to day. Is this her baseline? Is this the norm? Does she have a reason to feel this way? Because they have to make sure that what she's saying really all lies, that she really is frustrated, that she really is behaving as uh, somebody that's very paranoid, okay? So I would get the family on board. I would I would start with the family, see if you can all touch and agree. And then from there, I would have the family all sit down and yourself included, your friend, your family, sit down with her and say, we're concerned. We don't want to force you to get treatment, but we're not leaving this room until you agree to at least talk to someone, okay? So that's what I would do. But truth be told, even if she's on a 72-hour hold, if she is not talking about hurting herself or anybody else, if she is oriented, meaning she knows the date, time, and place, they are not going to keep her longer than that. They can't force treatment on somebody that's actually oriented. So I would encourage uh, encourage you guys to make sure that you try to get her to agree to go and talk to somebody about her feelings so that they can then diagnose and treat her. That is what I would do. But with mental health illness, it's very slippery slope, right? You want to do everything you can to protect them. But some of this is going to be her willingness to get help as well, okay? Because she's not doesn't sound like she can't make decisions. She's made decisions. They're just erratic decisions that she's made. It doesn't sound like she's not oriented. She sounds like she's with it. She's still running a business. It's just saying she's a little paranoid. So does that paranoia mean that she has to be hospitalized forever and forced to take treatment? No. So you have to get her on board and you have to get the family members on board to support her through this so that she can recognize that she has a problem. And when everybody around you is saying, hey, there's a problem, there's a problem, that forces you to stop and say, okay, maybe there is a problem. If everybody's saying the same thing, maybe I do need to talk to somebody else. And maybe at that point, she will. I agree, Nicole. So I'm going to go into my letter. So mine says, Nicole and Janine, love you too. I listen to you all on my way to work. I think I've probably listened to every episode at least twice at this point. I'm writing you because of my boss. He is a very smart and very well-educated black man. His bachelor's, master's, and JD are all from Ivy League institutions. I love my boss, and I'm very appreciative for all of the opportunities that he has given me. But I don't think that I can continue to work for him. You see, my boss struggles with his mental health. Lately, he has become increasingly unstable and sometimes even violent, punching holes in walls and throwing things. It's like one thing can send him into an entire tizzy, causing him to be disruptive and sometimes even demeaning and turning our department into one that is unproductive. So... We work in the aeronautic space, so you can only imagine that there are only a few of us. So I don't want to ring any alarms, but I'm not sure that I can continue to work for him. 
how can I try to convince him to get help without causing him to lose his job? So we have got to, as Black people, think that, hey, we have to look out for Black people and put the good foot forward at all costs, okay? Because this letter is crazy in that you're trying to hide the fact that this man has a mental health condition, which is which may be hiding it, is preventing him from realizing it and preventing him from possibly getting treatment for it because y'all are the only two black people and we got to put the good face for it because we black. We the two token black people. But guess what? Black, brown, yellow people, we all have mental health problems. And that's okay. And just because he has a mental health condition doesn't mean that he's not smart. I mentioned Harvard educated, Ivy League educated. Who cares? There's some smart people out there that have schizophrenia. There's some smart people out there that have severe depression and anxiety. That having a mental health condition does not degrade someone's intellect. And I think that people think that, well, he's smart. So, you know, I'm giving a bit of that. No, honey. People that are smart also can deal with mental health issues. So the best thing to do is to sit down and say, hey, I'm recognizing a problem. And you reporting it to him may go nowhere, right? Because if he's not oriented, if he doesn't realize he has a problem, then you telling him he has a problem may, you know, may not be helpful, right? But you have to tell the employer he has a problem because otherwise, what if he does something and he doesn't realize that he's doing it? Then y'all all look crazy. You knew that he had a problem and you didn't say anything. And then you let him go and do his job knowing that he wasn't already oriented and, and functioning in the capacity that he could perform. So then if he makes a, uh, if he makes an error, then realistically it's your fault because you knew you should have reported it. So I, I think that it's time, it's time out for saving face. It's time for us to recognize and realize when we or someone we care about, including our coworkers, have a problem. And when we see a problem, we need to report the problem. And reporting that, it means that they may necessitate that he gets some counseling and that he gets some help. And that's okay. When having a mental health condition should not cause somebody to get fired because that's discrimination. So it shouldn't cause somebody to get fired, but it will mandate that they get treatment. And sometimes that's what, that's what it takes. Somebody putting, somebody's paying you coins saying you have got to get a mental health assessment may be enough for somebody to start counseling. So we need him to do that. So time out for trying to save face. Get your get your mentor, get your colleague, get your coworker some help. I agree, Nicole. So I think as I said it in the last, let's talk through it for your letter. I've dealt with this before and you can't, people can't get fired for mental illness. So I don't think that you should be worried about that, but I do think that you should say something because one, it's your safety, right? So like we don't want him to snap and then all of a sudden everyone is unsafe. And then also you want him to get help, 
right? Like you want him to not be trapped behind his mind. So I would say do say something and then, you know, mandate, like Nicole said, have the mandate that he gets help so that he is able to be a or this functioning successful boss that you need so that we're not trying to figure out how we're going to maneuver around him, but rather how we're working with him. So I think that, you know, Nicole gave the, the perfect answer and we do need to, to look into getting him some help. One of the easiest ways to do that is making sure that, you know, the higher ups at his job know. So then, you know, it's mandated help. And then he, in order to keep a job, will make sure that he continues along the, the path of, assistance with his mental health. Oh, all this talk about mental health. I hope that our listeners realize if we can't relay anything else today is that one mental health disorders are just like any other medical problem. If you treat them, you can get better and you can cope and live normal lives with it. And two, that this doesn't just because you have a mental health illness does not mean that you're not smarter than other people or you are less than other people. It does not mean that, okay, we want to make sure that that stigma goes away with this episode so that people can realize, let's normalize actually getting treatment for our mental health issues. All right, Johnny. So what did you learn new this week? So I learned that according to, and I got these statistics that, from the National Alliance for Mental Illness, that one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. And one in 20 experience severe mental illness. So let's think about this for a second. If you can think of 20 people, one of those 20 people, which I know that I can, Nicole, I'm sure that you can as well, one in those 20 people suffers with severe mental illness. And one in five people suffer with mental illness. So I would like to make a point that mental illness is not just something that is severe and they have outbursts like Kanye. There are people who suffer with mental illness that's a little bit more silent and quiet and easy to hide um, than, than those that are suffering with severe mental illness. And then the other thing that I learned, Nicole, is that 75% of mental illness actually begins before age 24. So at about age 24, 75% of people have already been diagnosed with mental illness. So there are a, a large portion of our population that are dealing with mental health issues. So I think that we should be mindful. And as opposed to putting a stigma on it, just be mindful that they're, you know, we can all suffer with mental illness. We're, no one is exempt. Not me, not you, Nicole, not anyone. So just be mindful and be on the lookout for it. So, Nicole, what did you learn new this week? So similarly, according to the CNN poll, 90% of U.S. adults are experiencing a mental health crisis, which I thought was crazy. And then, um, two, I already put out there, I believe that was my learn something new a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's worth it, that Meg the Stallion has a mental health website. And I, I put it out there. It's on Facebook. Um, the link to his own Facebook, but I think that it's relevant to this show. So I wanted to make sure. And it is called Bad Bitches Have Bad Days com. I mean, I went on this site and it's actually a really good source 
of like where to find therapists and therapy platforms dealing with mental health in America. And I think that it's, I mean, big ups to her because we need something that's sort of tailored um, to us so that we can realize that black women, you know, we don't talk about everything that affects us. Right. So this is a good uh, a good resource. If people are like, where do I go? This website is actually a, a decent resource. I love it. And I love that she's using her platform because she's one of the hottest artists out right now. I love that she's using her platform to shed a light on the stigma that is on mental illness on our in our community. I mean, honestly, Nicole, I think of all the people that I can recall that I think that had mental illness. And we kind of just, you know, brush it aside because it's not really something that we talk about in our community. So I'm I'm really excited that she has that platform. Maybe one day we'll get her on and we can talk to her about it. Executive producer, make that happen. So the motivational moment comes from Lisa Oliveira, who's a writer and a therapist. And she said, just because no one else can heal or do your inner work for you doesn't mean you can, should, or need to do it alone. So talk with your friends and family, seek counseling and take steps to do the work to heal yourself. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh That's Deep BWC. Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.